Hello and welcome to another episode of Promote the Hell Out of It. My name is Misael Trujillo and this is the podcast where I talk to people about subjects worth promoting. And uh, I was excited to have this conversation, literally had it a couple of hours ago, been editing the podcast, ready to release. Uh, guess that's just the way things go sometimes, but it was such a good conversation. I chat to Gavin Douch, founder, owner of Big Scary Monsters, the record label that has worked with so many, so many absolute legends, everyone from American football, the Get Up Kids, Kevin Devine, uh, obviously you need to give Cult Dreams and a nervous a shout out. I am the Avalanche, Jamie Lemon, Laura Jane Grace, Ladis Butte. So many records I absolutely love that are in my collection. I'm not going to go through every band on the roster. Go check it out because they've worked with so many legends uh, that it's difficult to mention my favourites. There's, there's just too many. But yeah, I was excited. Uh, to have the conversation and it was a good one uh, absolutely amazing I'm not going to give anything away just go listen to the podcast uh, it is a record label worth having on your radar if you don't already I assume a lot of you will but if not you will definitely uh, find a band in there that you will fall in love with uh, if not a load of bands to spend a lot of money buying merch and records of so yeah enjoy the conversation if it's your first time listening to the podcast Thank you, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, give us a follow, tell your friends about it, leave us a review on iTunes, all that really helps. And before I leave you with the conversation, if anyone's thinking of starting their own podcast, feel free to give me a shout um, if you want any advice. But also there's a link in the notes uh, for this podcast uh, to Buzzsprout, who is the provider I use to release all my episodes. Uh, they are awesome, it works amazingly, super easy to use. If you sign up through them, through the link below, you get an Amazon gift card and it really helps the show out. So yeah, uh, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Kevin Doubt from Big Scary Monsters. Amazing. Well, Kevin, it, thank you for your time. First of all, it's really good to have you on the show. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. I guess a good place to start is why the hell have uh, iPhones changed the, the plug socket, <laughs> right? On oh, headphones. The bane of my life. <laughs> I, I did it too. I bought um, the Samsung instead, and I didn't even know that they'd changed it too to that USB-C thing. Oh, have um, they? Pain, pain in the backside, I tell you. I know, and I'm I'm on quite an old phone now because I don't want one with um, like face recognition to unlock yeah. it. <laughs> so I'm I'm just like yeah, I'm pretty primitive with this kind of stuff to be honest. I'll tell you what, I I set up the first time ever the thumbprint thing, mm. and then I've been sanding this week, and uh, <laughs> I can't get it to work at all. So it's like <laughs> it's totally not worth it. Yeah, it, well, and I guess like, these days with everybody wearing face masks right now, it's a nightmare. Like we. <laughs> we opened a um, shop at the end of last year, and the number of customers that have to come in and then slyly sort of turn away and pull their mask down just a fraction to unlock their phone and then come <laughs> back to buy something. It's just like, no, I, I think I'm just going to stick my old phone, even when you know, it's 20 years old, just That's put it. my little sort of wrinkled thumb on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, so how's the start of your year been? Uh, good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> as good as it can be in 2021. Um, That's it. Yeah, no, not too bad, to be honest. Um, it kind of feels like there's a bit of 
light at the end of the tunnel, which is a bit of a weird yeah. thing to say right now. You know, we've, things are bad at the moment, but it's, it feels like we're heading somewhere. So I think I, you know, on a personal level and us as a business are sort of looking beyond this current sort of stretch and um and just sort of getting excited for what hopefully comes this year so yeah we've just been busy to be honest like planning lots of releases and like i said the shop you know we're up and running with that now so loads of stuff just um really hit the ground running in the last couple of weeks that's really good to hear and uh i guess that the best thing to do in a situation like this is keep positive and keep moving ahead because you yeah. can't you can't just come to a standstill can you no, that's it. And I think that's been our mentality throughout, to be honest. Um, you know, back when this started in, in March uh, last year, we were we had a pop-up shop in Brighton, which yeah. we were supposed to be done for two weeks. And I think it was, it must have been just a few days before, you know, this really just sort of erupted and it became very obvious it was going to be that's hugely it. disruptive for us. And, um, and so we kind of, we shut down the shop early and we went home and I gave everybody a week off and we just kind of took a few days just to sort of adjust and sort of, you know the new normal as people kept saying back then and um and then we just kind of got back together via zoom and all the rest of it and, and just like planned out a different year and and just really i think we all just got very positive on it you know and, and just sort of thought well okay touring's gone festivals are at that point full you know might be going and um and just planned some different stuff and, and just had a really sort of good time with it and i think that as much as it's tough sometimes day to, uh, day to day to sort of, you know, focus on the positives, I think kind of, you know, we're lucky that we've got this job that we can kind of focus on and, and give course. ourselves something to just, a reason to be positive and an outlet to be positive with. Of course, yeah. And I guess coming out of that, considering that shows and festivals weren't able to happen last year, mm. has there been anything that you've, replaced it with that you think you'll continue to do regardless of of the situation um yeah i think so and to be honest some of the stuff which we've replaced or will be replacing things with the stuff that we were already planning um awesome. we we were looking a couple of years ago we started an event in london called big day out which is sort of a three yeah. four four stage um uh, sort of mini festival over one day and we had already decided luckily we weren't going to do it in 2020 we thought we couldn't quite get the lineup which we wanted so we thought we'll take a year off um come back in 2021 but we decided when we did come back we were going to sort of uh live stream it as well so we wanted to have an option it sold out the, the two years we did it so basically we thought well wouldn't it be nice if we could have a ticket we sell for people to come to the festival and a cheaper ticket for people who couldn't make it whether that's you know they're further away or for whatever reason they, they couldn't be there so we'd already been sort of looking into things like that um yeah and so we had a few bits and pieces it felt like we were fractionally ahead of the curve not that we've been able to put many of them into <laughs> practice just yet but you know the theory was there anyway and uh, and still will be um so yeah and i think you know we've we've i think all learned a few new skills as well um kind of again on the sort of more on the shop side than the label side we we sort of opened that up as something you know we hoped we'd just be able to open and people could come in and have a drink we, we sell beer and records yeah. in there and um none of that's been possible you know we planned it in lockdown one we opened it in lockdown two mm -hmm. we've so far been in tier two three and four and now we're into lockdown three <laughs> yeah so in all these months we've not yet had a day of just normality there and um and, and so we've, you know, we've had to build a web store, we've launched Click and Collect, we just launched a local delivery service. There's so many different attributes to the business, which we thought, we'll do that in a year, or, you know, we'll look at that later down, down the road. 
we've had to do that straight away. And I think there's stuff like that on the label side as well, where I think they're, again, a positive. But once we're out of this, you know, us and the businesses, you know, the others that sort of survive this, I think ultimately we'll be stronger for it. I think there's, there's cool. skill sets that people are growing and gaining right now, which perhaps they hadn't planned to, but hopefully it'll be really useful. Well, that's it, isn't it? Some of some of the skills needed to to keep ahead of the curve are physical skills like say building a website or things mm. like that but a lot of it is how you perceive things and i think that would you say that it's a skill you practice anyway because you're constantly trying to think of what comes next when you're dealing with music and releases and what's cool and what's not all that kind of stuff anyway i think so yeah i think that's definitely something that we've got quite good at i mean it's it's a really strange one for your sort of your sense of time uh, because you're never really living in the current month you know like it's always we're working on release schedules and we're looking at records which are coming out in maybe four months four months time sometimes a lot longer i think our, our schedule already goes up to summer 2022 and and sometimes you'll be focusing you know you'll spend all day every day working on a, a series of records which are going to come out in the spring and you almost for a moment forget it's just it's early january you know <laughs> you kind of yeah, like, so yeah like planning kind of it's something i guess it's a skill we've all had to sort of learn during that sort of that time with the label and then also it, it just kind of becomes almost second nature after a while i think yeah and i guess a big part of big scary monsters is nurturing bands and and the relationship mm. you have with them has it been difficult to keep people motivated would you say with with what's been going on or to get them on board with different ways of doing things or have people generally been wanting to take on any new ideas that come their way honestly a, a kind of bit of all of it I mean, it's almost like a sliding scale i guess and, and some people and very understandably you know everyone reacted differently yeah. to the last year and and there's no right or wrong way for this it's just and i think it's interesting for each individual person to sort of see how they're sort of just acclimatizing and, and how they've adjusted and um yeah so we've had some artists who've been who've struggled a little bit, I think, you know, and, and again, understandably, and That's others who have really just, uh, I guess, prospered and, and really just sort of dug in and been like, right, this is how we're going to deal with it. And and so, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I think part of what we've tried to do is not necessarily change anybody's minds or, or sort of mentalities. It's more just sort of trying to encourage them with whichever way they want to go with this, which is kind of the way we work anyway, to be honest. Yeah. You know, we, we don't sort of, find an artist and sit down with them and say, right, this is what you must do. One of the first things we say to any band we work with is what kind of career do you want? And like, what are your goals? What are your targets? And then we try and work out how we can help them. And, and I think it's been a similar sort of attitude with this. Um, so some of the bands, you know, we, we did some things last year, like I think it was around June time. Um, so again, you know, you can sort of plot that directly back from the start <laughs> of the pandemic. Three months later, the campaigns all hit and in June, we had a really good little run where we had um, a uh, We Were Promised Jetpacks EP where they yeah. had a couple of tracks that were left over from the previous album. And we've been talking about them, um, to them about maybe releasing them in some way. And I think they were a little bit sort of, they were into it, but not really, it wasn't really a priority. And then this came, it was like, well, we might as well. We've got no touring, yeah. let's put this record out. And it did really well. That's and awesome. um, yeah, so it was cool just to sort of feel things in like that. We had in December 2019, uh, Vinnie Caruana came over from New York to play some headline shows. Awesome. And he played one in London, and, and we got a friend of ours to record it. And we didn't really have any plans. We just thought, well, there's no harm in sort of 
you know, just getting a nice, good quality recording of a live show. One day we might need it. So we did that. We sort of, in, I guess, then early 2020, we were getting it mixed and, and sort of just listened to it. And it's like, this is actually pretty good. Then March hit and Vinny called me up one day and was like, I really like this recording. Let's just put it out on vinyl. And we're like, all right, might as well. So, so we did. And then, um, so that went from something where we were thinking, well, one day we might use a track of it, like, you know, put it on YouTube or Bandcamp or somewhere. Yeah. Suddenly it became a double album, which we released on vinyl. Um, yeah, sold out. We put it up on Bandcamp to pay what you want. And all that money went directly to Vinny because getting all this touring and disappeared. Yeah, so of course. We just, suddenly we found ourselves with this really useful asset, which people really liked. It was a great show and his fans really, really wanted to hear it and, and own it. So it worked out brilliantly. So we had a bunch of things like that last summer and they were really fun records to work on, actually. Just very different to our normal awesome. campaigns, but just a, a nice little pivot, I think. That's really cool. And if you had to give uh, advice, a piece of advice to bands uh, who are going through this period right now, mm -hmm. what would it be? Wow. Uh... <laughs> Getting deep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I guess like... God, there's so many things bringing to mind right now. <laughs> you can um, say more than one. That's absolutely okay. fine. <laughs> Don't get bogged down by social media and the, and the daily news, I think, first. Like, yeah. like, one of the good things that we learned, actually, and going back to that pop-up we did in, in Brighton, um, the, the four of us from the label, we were all there at the start, and one by one we sent members of staff home. Um, and I think so by about day, I don't know, probably like day three or four, we were in Brighton for a week in the end. By day three or four, it was down to just me and Josie left. And, and we were just driving around and we were just trying to tie up loose ends. So we went over to Small Pond, we had to borrow some envelopes and we were like posting things out and doing local deliveries, yeah. just trying to make the best of the situation. And driving around Brighton, it was just like, things aren't that bad. I mean, it was obviously getting bad, but you could see people out and you could see the sea and it was just, it was normal in that respect. Whereas the other two guys where they'd gone home and it was sort of, as we all were at that point, just watching the news, you know, people were really kind of following that daily. They seemed to kind of, not spiral, but definitely had a way more negative attitude about everything that was going on. 100%, and, yeah. And I think that's been something throughout, you know, I, I, I see it with friends who, who are just following this minute by minute, and it's really easy to get bogged down with it. And you obviously need to keep abreast of it, and you need to, you know, follow the guidelines as best you can, and all that kind of stuff. But I think sometimes it's just taking a little step back and sort of thinking, actually, you know, fingers crossed, healthy, getting through it and, and that kind of thing. So just trying to find ways to keep some kind of positivity, I suppose, with yeah. it is, is something that I'd suggest. And, um, but yeah, beyond that, like I said, everyone has their own ways of dealing with it. So I also wouldn't suggest that anybody sort of looks at anyone else, especially in the kind of an Instagram world and just be like, oh, that person seems great. And then feel bad about yourself. Because everyone has their own thing with this. So, yeah, I, I think just keep one eye on the future and remember that what, what's going on right now won't last forever. And do you think it's important for bands to take almost the same approach as, as you've mentioned the label has in terms of of thinking of different ways of doing things, of thinking of how to use technology to do things, thinking of how to use like live streaming, all that kind of stuff to keep busy? Or do you think it's it's worth using the time to maybe just plan what you're going to be doing afterwards i mean again i don't think there's a, a wrong answer there i think it, it's individual cases um i think there's a number of bands out there who'll be doing a, a bit of both or all of it really you know, they'll be looking at technology figuring out what they can be doing i know a bunch of bands about like 
during this have worked out how to record from home or, or that kind of thing or they found new ways of writing um again we were promised jetpacks for example you know they they've written an album remotely basically you know, adam awesome. the singer now lives in new york the rest of them are in scotland they've kind of that's something they've never done before and, and so they've had a completely different process and they've really enjoyed it and i think that's true of a lot of artists i think they've just adapted and found that actually just because we were all doing things in one way before doesn't mean it was necessarily the right way and technology and opportunity and just having a bit of a moment take you know free up a little bit of brain space and step back and be like actually why don't we do it this way and i think that over the next couple of years, I think we might see some interesting sort of things. I think the, the music industry, like many others, will will probably see a bit accelerated change now because of people coming out of this period and thinking, actually, just because I did it that way before doesn't mean it was the right way. And, yeah. you know, they'll have new skills and just a new mindset for a lot of us. I think what part of what makes humans amazing is that we are adaptable. Um, mm. And obviously that can happen at a bad periods when when things seem really bad but the skills you pick up during that time don't go away you still have them when things get better um so i think that regardless of as you say everyone deals with it differently but even even just going for a really horribly shitty time because of what's going on at mm -hmm. the end of the day can make you a stronger person when you come out of it yeah yeah absolutely i, I think there's going to be a lot of that i think you know, much like how I said, you know, the businesses that sort of survive this, I think, will come out of this stronger. Um, yeah. There's, there's crazy. I mean, we're based in Oxford, and there's, there's so many businesses here who just didn't even have websites, social media, things like that, which they'd probably thought before. You know, like they've taken along and things were going alright, and they didn't necessarily need to, or again, have the brain space to think about how they can maybe expand. Yeah. This, for you know, different reasons, has pushed people to to really think about that stuff. And if they can maintain it after, you know, it's like pubs where they had that spell of having to do table service. If that's something they can continue with, and local delivery and all the rest of it, it's it's just opening up different revenue streams. And I exactly, think exactly, yeah, you know, so I think people individually are learning skills, and I think businesses collectively are also doing that. Yeah, and that's obviously not downplaying. Uh, downplaying the situation that, that people are going through and of course how some no. businesses have suffered at all. It, I guess it's just trying to see uh, the light in in the darkness. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's it. And I think like I, I'm in a very privileged position to be able to say a lot of this. You know, I, I thankfully haven't sort of been ill. It's not got too close to, to my friends or family or anything yet. And, and the, our business has so far survived this. So I think that you know, it, it's kind of easy for me to say a lot of this stuff, and yeah. I hope that no one listening is sort of struggling or sort of, you know, worrying. I think I hope that everybody makes it through, and, and ultimately, you know, in a couple of years' time, we'll look back at this and just be like, that was a crazy period, but man, things have been good since. And it's also interesting in in the in the theme of like the type of music that Big Scary Monsters works with, because. Mm -hmm hard times often provoke really exceptional music in terms of writing topics would you would you agree with that yeah i think so in, in recent years to be honest there's, there's been so many sort of <laughs> things, yeah, I, think, I, I don't feel like artists have struggled for uh, <laughs> inspiration and you know like it's it's kind of crazy that the pandemic has gone on alongside so much other stuff, I you know, know right. Brexit and sort of all the you know the Black Lives Matter movement and, and obviously all the political stuff in the US that's happening right now. It's just everywhere you look, there's just it's craziness. And 
I, in terms of inspiration, yeah, I, I've no idea what people are going to be writing about. But I don't <laughs> think they're going to struggle for <laughs> content. It's quite interesting because what you've mentioned is is so true. There's been so many things going on. Do you think mm. that also makes it almost harder for a scene to come together because they're all like interested in one topic? Because there's so many almost niches that you could go in and choose to to be a part of. I don't know. I mean. It's definitely been interesting watching it, and I think that every time something happens in the world, I think the music industry as a whole is one of the first to stand up and really support. You know, like if there's yeah. if there's a cause, you'll see bands and you see everybody raising money and just really getting behind it. And and I think that even through this, you know, again, you look back at it and sort of as of March last year, so many people's incomes just dropped out. Bands just you know all yeah. what they were looking for, they might have had a whole year of touring planned, and that brings in maybe 90% of their money and suddenly that's gone and then a couple of months later when all the riots and things are breaking out suddenly these same bands who had no income of their own were you know putting out new recordings and things and giving 100% of their money to charities and it's like it's incredible and I think that that kind of attitude throughout the music industry is is one of the very very best things about the people who work in it. That's that's so true and I guess that's where it almost becomes difficult because we get so much positivity out of seeing what what these bands are doing on social media and what the good things that people are doing in the world whilst mm. having to scroll through all the crap that's going on. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> and, that will always be the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult one to balance, right? It is a little bit. And, and yeah, that is, yeah, it's tough. I guess that's the best and worst of social media. You know, that's you it. A little pockets of light occasionally, but you've got to you've got to search for them. Especially in an industry where where you do need bands to spend time on social media promoting themselves, you're like in charge of your own promotion to a degree in terms of having to push it constantly. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a double edged sword, really, because I think you know, especially you know, mental health has been a big conversation throughout this as well, and I think that social media is is often not good for mental health, but it's also when people have got so little else, you know, they can't really leave their homes. Yeah, it's it's their only form of communication for a lot of time so it's yeah that's been a very tough balance for a lot of people I think yeah absolutely you mentioned earlier in the conversation um the double album by Vinny Mm. um what a legend uh have been a huge fan for a very long time you've got a lot of artists or artists on your on your label who have Mm. have been at it for a lot of years you've got Vinny Jamie Lemon uh Kevin Devine how humbling is it to see people who who stick at a career that isn't um, making them millionaires? Let's say, I, it's amazing. It's it's a conversation that we have quite a lot, especially with Kevin Devine. I think that he he had a moment. I mean, before we worked with him, he was signed to a major label, um, yeah. which, as far as I understand it, he signed to a major, which then merged with another one, and then he found himself dropped. I think even before a record came out, so it was like a moment in time he had that. And a lot of the people that he was sort of touring with and sort of friends with back then, you know, you look at people like Bright Eyes and Dashboard yeah. Confessional and, you know, various different genres who all went on and had really successful careers for one length of time or another. And um, that was, I think there was moments there where Kevin sort of looked at it and thought, like, why hasn't it happened to me yet? And I think he's in recent years really come to peace with just where he's at and so appreciative, appreciative of his fan base because whilst it's not the very biggest fan base in the world it's an incredibly loyal one and like many artists you know he launched their patreon last year yeah there's so many people sign up it's become a really amazing little community for him and and i think that kind of stuff's great and i think that 
I had a very similar conversation with Vinny that um, like I I wasn't worried about him I wasn't worried about Kevin when this all started they're so used to sort of making careers and just fighting <laughs> yeah. you know like I wasn't particularly worried to be honest with many people that we work with because we're all just we all work in independent music you know we're just used to fighting for absolutely everything and so when the global pandemic came along it was like all right that's just the next thing we've got to fight and it was just that was the attitude yeah whereas you look at some of the people in the sort of the major label world and some of the bigger artists who've been you know quite frankly sort of coddled up to certain points and, and just had it really good um they weren't used to this kind of scrapping quite frankly and they're the ones who are then gonna have to go out and figure out how do they exist when so much of their sort of bread and butter is taken away from them yeah. and and i think that's that's the attitude that's really got a lot of these musicians through you know and they've, they've spent years building these careers which it's just hard work and it's constant and there's definitely days where i'm sure all of them are just like oh, fuck this but equally <laughs> there's just amazing days and going on tour and, and getting to play to you know it, it could be like you go to a new city in Germany you've never been to before and a hundred people turn up and that's just such an incredible feeling. For yeah. Them. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I, I, growing up, I got into Big Scary Monsters late, very right. late. Um, even though I was into some of the bands on your roster, I mm. didn't really, hadn't really paid attention to record labels until mm. the situation you mentioned with Kevin Devine came up. Right. I'd gone to watch Kevin Devine with the goddamn band at Joiners um, before he released Brothers Blood um, and was following him on social and him getting dropped off the label where he was yeah. talking about that at the time. Um, and I was actually street teaming for Kevin right. Devine for quite a few years as well. And he's one of these people that is so kind mm. and has so much time for people. Um, yeah. So yeah, he was my introduction into, uh, into the label and oh, from then on, all the other beautiful bands uh, yeah that's it. well it's crazy i mean we were just just literally before this i was looking at our release schedule and we're going to hit 300 records over oh, the next wow. couple of months and um yeah it's mad just the number of artists that we've got to work with and i think for um kevin was a real sort of gateway one for it as well i think because you know, before him back in sort of 2007 2008 we were working with a lot of math rock bands from the uk yeah. and that's that's kind of where the label existed and I remember a friend of ours who, who used to do some PR, PR work for the label uh, made me some sort of CDs years and years ago and there was Kevin Devine tracks on there. She even gave me full Kevin Devine records <laughs> in the split country and I was just like, yeah, it's okay. And then it must have been 2008, I guess, it, on MySpace, I heard um, Another Bag of Bones and uh, I think it had a different title. I can't remember now, but yeah, I, I heard that and I was like, this is incredible. Completely fell in love with it met up with him at south by southwest a few weeks later agreed that we'd work um release the record over here uh i went out and sort of he came over and toured a couple of months after that um in the uk and so i went to some of those shows and sort of hung out and got to know each other and from there on you know we've, we've been working together for sort of 10 years and um and through him it just opened up so many doors through either artists he was friends with or just people who knew his name so suddenly when i was sort of contact bands and say hey we work kevin divine they were just a lot more interested you know and it just That's kind cool. of opened up from there yeah and there's there's a real i mean it happened before it there was a kind of family tree vibe in that every band we signed had maybe toured all the bands that we previously yeah. signed and kevin just kind of like opened up the us side of that i That's suppose so cool. 
and, and just from there, again, there's still a line you can still just about draw, which kind of connects so many of the bands <laughs> we work with, just about back to Kevin. And, uh, and I've always liked that. I've always thought like that's really cool just to have that running throughout our roster. That's awesome. And I guess that opened up like the, the amount of genres that you worked with at the same time, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think that we've always kind of, we've always stuck very roughly in sort of the math rock, the punk, sort of very vaguely alternative kind of worlds. Um, and every now and again, there's a band that we want to work with, and it feels like maybe that's a couple of steps away from where we are. We just we need to sign a band that's kind of like halfway between the yeah, two, yeah. and they they make that step for us. And so yeah, I think like I mean musically, I, I think there's, it's a hugely eclectic roster, but um, there's usually a step there. You know, if you listen to a for band sure. and you think, oh, that's a bit too far out for me, there's normally something that will help you kind of join those dots, and then one day maybe that band will make sense. No, absolutely, because um, that's what happened with me. Um, my friend Lewis Reynolds, who played in, mm. yeah, Meet Me in St. Louis, yeah. um, that was kind of my introduction into math rock. I didn't really get into it for a long time. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my introduction was actually, and this is years after he'd stopped playing mm. for them, <laughs> but uh, just listening back to the stuff he'd done and getting into into that type of music. And it's very easy then to see all the links when you've listened to all the artists and you actually like them. You, mm. It feels like they all belong in the same roster. They all belong in the same world if it was comic books, almost. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I know what you mean. But yeah, it's interesting. And how did your love with math rock start? God, I don't even know, to be honest now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think how I got into that type of music. And there must have been a band that I heard that opened that door, but I can't think... To be honest, the bands that we are probably most known for are ones which I did not get to start with. Like, <laughs> um, so we worked with uh, Second Smile, who yeah. went on tour in Eastern Europe, and we were very close with, with Second Smile. They were some of our sort of closest friends, as well as the band that we worked with. And they went, yeah, they went on tour in Eastern Europe, and so I went with them, me and one of my housemates at the time. And we were there in like Latvia and Liechtenstein and all these places, and, and Meet Me in St. Louis were opening that tour. And they'd sent the demo, and I, I just, I didn't really get it to be honest. I didn't like the vocals. I just <laughs> thought like this, this isn't for me. And we did that tour, and by about the fifth or sixth day, it, it completely clicked. And I was like, yeah. this is incredible. And um, ironically, we went and released a bunch of solo records from Toby, the singer after. So his vocals, I definitely got his vocals <laughs> in the end. Um, but yeah, that really sort of opened it up uh, at a similar time. Um, we were we were very good friends with the this town needs guns TTNG guys yeah. um, they're all from Oxford as well. I was hanging out with them a lot, and that, that probably even predates me in St. Louis. Think about it because that would have been um, there was a band called Itch from Leeds who was the first ever album that we released. So all the way back in about two thousand and two, probably. Yeah. Um, I'd lent that out or told Stu, the singer or the old singer in TTNG, about that band, and he got hugely into it. And I remember. I remember him showing to the rest of the band. I mean, to be honest, TTNG back then sounded like Incubus. Like <laughs> Stu, Stu used to like, he played a chaos pad to it, like scratching sounds and okay. stuff going on. It was completely different to the bands that you would hear these days. Um, and I remember him playing to Tim, the guitarist, uh, just playing in Itch. And then they got into a few of the other sort of Kinsella, like Chicago-based product uh, projects. And um, I remember Tim just being like, oh, you mean play guitar like this? And he just did it. <laughs> And it was just like, just tapping away as if he'd been doing all his life. It's like, yeah, just, just like that. <laughs> and that was it. They just like, almost overnight, sort of 
merged into this math, math rock world. And I remember Stu sending me some recordings one day, and we'd turned them down a couple of times. So he, he sent me these um, tracks, and he was like, this is our new stuff. And I was like, shit, this is actually really good. We, I think we've got to release it. And oh, um, awesome. that was a seven-inch called Hippie Jam Fest, which we did. And then that came just before sort of 26 dances and four and, and all that stuff. And it just really just blossomed into that whole world. So it's kind of like, I guess that's a very long way of answering your question. Like, no, 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 that's awesome. Of, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That's what we went on a podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms of a gateway into the scene, I don't think it was like a, a band that I like, it wasn't like I heard Minus the Bear and I was like, cool, that's it. I'm a, mind, I'm a math rock fan. Yeah. It was, we all, it was like we all kind of learned it together and we all just kind of delved bit by bit and then i think the ttng guys then said hey, have you heard this band and it was matt and atlas's and then it was like shit that's incredible and have you heard this and it was Terramelos. and we just kind of spiraled out from there and effectively it was just a bunch of mates like any bunch of mates just influencing one another and just like helping that discovery along and all of a sudden for those couple of years that was just it was a really amazing scene in the uk and we were so lucky to get to work with so many of those bands and we still do these days i mean lewis just sent me his new record about a week ago <laughs> less than that i think and yeah a lot of these people we're still either working with or in touch with and yeah yeah it was, it was such a good time it's interesting because there are some types of music that you almost need that vibe and to spend some time around it to appreciate it and to mm. to almost enjoy the energy as opposed to because it's sometimes the energy of of the music that makes you love it um yeah the energy it creates or the vibe it creates i guess um but yeah, I had a drummer who was really into Delta Sleep. Right. Um, and the first time he played them to me, I, I wasn't really into it or it just kind of washed over me. Mm-hmm. Um, but after he played it for about an hour in the car, I got back home and all I wanted to listen to was Delta Sleep <laughs> for weeks. So yeah, you, so that that's happens sometimes, isn't it? It does. It's funny. Like It sometimes makes me wonder how many bands, like how many times have I missed my favorite band because I didn't give it that hour? For sure. You know, and it's just, it, it's kind of crazy to think because especially in, in this job, there's so many bands which you come into kind of close contact with and, and as much as you want to give everything an equal amount of time, sometimes you get sent something and you're slightly distracted <laughs> and you don't listen to it properly or maybe like the first 30 seconds of it, just, you just don't get on with it and so yeah. you don't listen beyond that point. And yeah, I mean, like I said, Kevin Devine didn't get it at all. Meet Me in St. Louis didn't get it. TTNG didn't like it well I did but it wasn't what it should be but it was just like so much of that music you know it, it took a while to kind of for it to click for me yeah. and um yeah and I think that's that's always going to be the case like we had that um last year we put out the new Illuminati Hotties record and it, it came in and I loved it from like the first second of all this is incredible and I shared it around everyone in the label and so sort the of four of us and me and Dave were just like, this is the most exciting thing we've heard in ages. The other two, Josie and Connor, were just like, this is shit. <laughs> they, just, they did not get it at all. They both love it now, but it just took different amounts of time for them to get there. And then I remember Connor just like coming along one day, sort of like hands up, and he was like, I was so wrong about this record. Oh, and so like, cool. I know. <laughs> but like, people get there at different times, or they don't get there. It's just yeah. it's the joy of music, I guess. I, I feel like there's almost records that are linked to a mood that you mm. have to be like you have to be in a certain mood to to appreciate yeah. it fully at its best, and that's what makes you fall in love with it. And if you're yeah, if you're not in the headspace, it can completely go over you. Oh, definitely. I, I've certainly found that with post rock in the past. You know, there was yeah. um, there's bands where I've been sent it, and I just like 
I've just not been in that headspace. I've listened to it, not liked it, listened to it again, you know, a couple of hours later even, or a few <laughs> days later, and it's just like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. That's and it. It, it's so funny how it changes. And and it's weird as well, because sometimes, the, I guess the cliche is a band that sounds awesome on record and isn't that good live, but through going to small shows a lot, I, I often have the opposite. A band that I've heard on record and I'm like, I'm not that bothered. And then you watch them live and they're so good that it makes mm. you fall in love with the music. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, that energy, the joy of live music. Yeah. And I miss that. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Fingers crossed it, it won't take too long to come back. <laughs> no, this is the year, I'm sure of it. Yeah. You um you briefly mentioned uh, Small Pond when you were talking mm. about Brighton. It's such a cool place, isn't it? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, like, it's cool as well because it's friends of ours, you know, like uh, Matt from Tool Ships worked there and Dave that was sleep. Yeah. And so it's just, it's such a good little community. And so, yeah, we've always been pretty close with those guys. How important would you say businesses like that are to the the growing of bands? Oh, hugely, hugely. I think, like, that's the thing that at times I think, you know, there's been moments we've missed that in Oxford yeah, where, like, I remember when we first started the label in the early days, there were certain promoters, or, or one in particular, who was putting on bands here, who we would just go. Like, me and my friends, we lived nearly an hour bus ride out of the city, but we would just, every Sunday night, it's like, cool, there's a new metal band playing at the Wheat Sheet, and it's six quid, and we like new metal, so we're, we're going, and that's it. And every one of us in that friendship group who had any aspirations to be in a band, therefore started a new metal band. It was yeah. just so, you couldn't escape it, that energy and the excitement. And... And then when that promoter moved on and, and there was less of those shows in town, just the drop off of, of bands of that sort of ilk, that genre forming, it just it just vanished overnight. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of thing is you need that community and whether it's kind of fostering like a musical style or an ethos or whatever it is, you need that to be coming through to be influencing people, you know, the people who want to be forming bands and or just working in music or just to be around it in whatever respect they want to be. I think you just you need that encouragement and just that sort of inspiration and just to see it and be like, yeah, fuck it, that's what I'm going to do. I'm starting a band like that. That's it, isn't it? And it's there's so many aspects of it because it's the people you meet, which is mm. can be so difficult to sometimes start a band when, let's say, you move into a new city and you're trying to meet people. And Small Pond yeah. was such a good place for that. And then, yeah. as you mentioned, the the jobs it creates for for touring musicians because. Mm. Let's not forget, I guess, for anyone listening, how often they do need side hassles um, yeah. and how important it is for it to be a side hassle that allows for touring I guess yeah well absolutely and and I think that's it I think like that was one of my sort of proudest things at the time when we worked for Marvels because they built a little like there's almost like a little cottage industry they had going there you know they just they only wanted to play basement shows they <laughs> couldn't give a shit about playing bigger stuff like I had to convince them they got offered the main stage at Reading Festival and they're like oh I don't know it's like <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> and, but it was um, Jacko who actually recorded the Vinny live show that I mentioned earlier. We met him because he was a friend of Narwhals who wanted to learn how to be like a touring sound guy. And they were like, cool, come out of us. Their tour manager, exactly the same. Their merch guy, all of them. Like these people had maybe worked in music or been in bands, but they just had, you know, sort of aspirations of doing it a bit more, wanted to get out on the road. And the bands were like, great, come with us, learn learn and you go. And they all learned together as a little sort of group. And it was so nice to see it. And I think like that kind of thing is awesome. And it happens with a lot of bands as well. And it's just like those opportunities, I think that's a really key thing. If people want to go out there and, and earn money and sort of work nine to five, then there's opportunities for that. But 
it's not for everyone. And yeah. I think that it, finding those ways in, it, it can be hard. You know, sometimes you just need a friend or, or just, again, that inspiration, just something to click and be like, you can do this. This is the way to go. Yeah, that's it. And I guess you have the conversation when you're signing a band with what where they want to take it, how much they mm. want to do. But does if it is a band that doesn't really want to do that much, does that put you off signing them? No, not necessarily. I think that um, it, it just kind of has to make sense. So we have some bands who, who, you know, they only play shows every couple of years, and that's totally fine. You almost wouldn't want it a different way. And, and you've got some bands who want to go out there and play 200 shows a year, and that's fine too. So it, it kind of really depends. And, yeah, I, I just don't think there's, there's a right or a wrong way. You know, when we ask them that question, it's always interesting to get the answer. And I think so long as they're genuine with their answer, no matter what that's the it, answer is, that's the thing because the last thing we want is for them to come along and say what they think we want to hear yeah you know and and it, for it not to be true you like I, I don't know if a band to come along and maybe they've all got families or you know or jobs they actually like full-time jobs they really enjoy and and they have no intention of being on the road for you know 100 days a year or whatever the last thing we want them to do is to come along and say that's what they're planning it's just like come along and say look this is it we just made these records we think they're really good we'd like to put it out to reach a few more people and we want to play 10 shows in the next two years it's like cool we know that's the objective we know that's the sort of parameters we're working with let's put together a plan that works for that how much does that change the plan is that a completely different way of kind of viewing how to build a fan base and keep it engaged all that kind of sort of thing I mean, in 2020, it's <laughs> well, exactly yeah, the same that. now. <laughs> um, Everyone's the, doing the same thing right now. But. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what their answer is in 2020 21. But um, yeah, it does change the plan somewhat. And I think that's what I like about it, to be honest. I, I like the fact that no two days are ever the same. That's awesome, yeah. job. And, you know, I quite like the problem-solving aspect of it, I guess. And so when someone says, this is what we want to do, or this is what we can do, and again, they all have different skill sets. You look at Delta Sleep and like Dev's job is traveling the world, making videos for like Vice and Wired <laughs> and all these people. He makes these incredible documentaries like it, on the most bizarre, like craziest things. And it, it's just like, well, we're never going to pull him away from that fully yeah. because that's an amazing job. And we just will work around that. But equally, it brings in this thing where it means that Delta Sleep have the most incredible music videos because he has that skill that he can then apply to, to both. And, and I think that's really cool. And, and so it's just, yeah, we work with what's there, basically. Um, so the plans do change, of course, but yeah, it's every situation is completely different. And, and I love those conversations, finding out what the situation is going to be with the next one. I think it's, it's quite obvious that you enjoy a challenge uh, at Big Scary Monsters because mm. you take on quite a few different aspects of, of trying different things, right? You've got like the pop-up, the festivals, even five-a-side football, does yeah. it ever get to a point where you're like, we really shouldn't take anything else on? Or is <laughs> it always a case of wanting to keep growing? To be honest, in at the end of 2019, we were knackered. Like, we did <laughs> we did too much that year. We, we put out, I forget the numbers now, but we put out something like 30 records. We'd done a, a showcase at South by Southwest in, in sort of one of the biggest and most prestigious venues in Austin. And that was a huge undertaking. We'd had all the various other festivals in the UK. Um, we'd, we'd launched a big day out. We'd done a festival in Oxford as well. So we'd, we'd done loads. We, we printed a newspaper just because we thought that would be fun. And it's just like all this stuff, which doesn't always sound big, just became big projects. 
and we did all that and yeah the end of 2019 start of 2020 we were just tired and we're like okay 2020 we're going to take it quiet we're not going to do very much we're going to put out more like 15 records and just chill and then 2021 is going to be a big year and then of course like i said march came along and all the plans on the window and suddenly we started adding in more records and then i think we all found ourselves a little bit of again a bit of brain space and you know whereas normally we'd all be just flying like going around the country and going to gigs and just doing all that kind of stuff we all at home and it just the routines changed and suddenly we got a bit creative and we've been wanting to launch a subscription service yeah a few years ago and um we had one about 10 years ago and wanted to bring it back and couldn't quite figure it out and then over the summer we were like this is how we're going to do it and it just clicked for us we're like cool we'll launch that and I've been vaguely looking for a shop premises for a little while and then the right one it was actually on my birthday in July I viewed a place and I was like oh, this awesome. is the one. so that came up and it was just bits and pieces and, and by yeah the end of 2020 again I was sitting there absolutely knackered <laughs> done too much um, it was just it, it's going to be that forever come December this year it'll be the same again it doesn't matter in January if I sit there and say it's going to be a quiet year it never will because <laughs> we're not those kind of people we like to be challenged we like to do interesting stuff we like to keep it varied um yeah and to be honest if we look at it and we think you know we're pretty much at capacity and then we find five more awesome bands or we have five more dumb ideas we're definitely going to do it we'll just find a way and and that's just what we always do it's a certain personality type isn't it because it's I, I often find myself being like, Oh, I take I take so much on, why do I do it? But mm. then the next thing comes along and I take it because yeah. <laughs> it, I enjoy doing new things. So it's it's a weird one you get yourself into this situation of being like constantly knowing you're tired and doing too much but always yeah. wanting to do new stuff. Absolutely. And to be honest, I think I realised a few years ago that I'm I'm no good when I'm quiet. <laughs> I, I'm no good if yeah. I'm bored. I just I disappear into procrastination. I'm opening up by the BBC football page every few minutes. It's just like I'm no good. I'm way better when I'm I'm like busy and I've got too much on and I'm having to skip between twenty different projects. That's when I feel like I'm really into the groove of things and that's when I yeah, everything just kinda of clicks a bit better for me then. And you're you're dead right, it's different personalities. Um that's just the way that I seem to function, which for better or worse for the rest of the team, they kind of get dragged into it sometimes. But, um, <laughs> Do you think it's of, an important <laughs> attitude to have when working in, in this kind of industry? I, I don't think it's the only attitude <laughs> to have, but I think it's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of, you know, it, it, it sort of drags people along a little bit. And I mean, I did this job on my own for the first 15 years or something. I should have hired somebody way before we did. I, I had this sort of, crazy idea that you know we, we couldn't hire anybody until we had like an annual salary for them sitting in the in the bank just yeah. spare and it's like well of course that's never going to happen and um it, it just that's not the way it goes like the, the day that we hired our first member of staff like the, the dave when he joined us i tell him like all the time like uh i went to meet him in a pub and sort of like basically offer him this job and that same day i just signed a lease on a new office and uh which i knew we couldn't really afford and we had something like 10 quid in the bank <laughs> and, and i was there offering a friend of mine a job and i was like this could go really bad <laughs> but i was like no fuck it. i'm gonna back myself i'm gonna you know i think i think this is good i think he's good for the company i think this will help us grow and it did and you know it was exactly the right thing to do i just wish i'd done it five years earlier to be honest but um i think that's 
that was something I learned and that's something I'd probably tell people in the future. It's not, you know, it's definitely not going to work out every time, but to be brave, you know, and just yeah. sort of go into these things sometimes. And, and sometimes you have to talk yourself into it. I think that I'm pretty convinced that when I started this job, I had a quite different personality to what I have now. Like when I look back, I, I swear I was a lot more timid and now I'm just like a lot more into the idea of risk and, and trying things than I used to be. And yeah. I don't know where that's come from, but <laughs> it's crept in over the years. <laughs> have you ever watched any Yes Theory, the YouTube channel? No. Uh, you should check it out. It's it's a group of, of people who, who kind of base themselves on that philosophy of pushing yourself to try things that you're, you're scared of, but they've built an incredible community. Um, and raised a lot of money for cool causes but yeah you should check it out because mm. it, it kind of backs that mentality of just you have to you have to enjoy the enjoy the skills you pick up of being in challenging situations sometimes yeah absolutely yeah i love that that sounds great I'm definitely yeah, that. check it yeah. out for sure you you kind of answered uh, the question that i was i was going to do next which was okay um no but but hopefully you've got something else you can add to it mm. uh, which is in hindsight if you could change something that you've done in the trajectory of Big Scary Monsters, what would it be? Yeah, that would probably be the main one, I think. Just not necessarily, like, for me, it was hiring somebody. For someone else, it would be a different answer. But yeah. I think the the sort of philosophy behind it would be the same, is to be, you know, to back yourself, basically. And to be brave and, and take that punt. Um, yeah, and, and just give it a try. I, I guess... You know, without wanting to sound too cheesy, or the life too short, and mm -hmm. if you've got that ambition for it, then try it. And what would you say the biggest challenge you faced during the last twenty years uh, has been? <laughs> um, I think at times the biggest challenge was almost probably myself. Like I said, I, I feel like my personality has changed along the way, and I think it had to. And I, and I think some of that was probably natural. And some of that I've had to force myself into. You know, there's daily, every one of us faces decisions and moments where we're like, oh, I can't be bothered. I just want to yeah. go back to bed and watch TV. And I think I'm I'm much better now in 2021 at not going back to bed and watching TV <laughs> <laughs> than I used to be. I think in the early days, that would have been it. I'd have just packed up and gone home yeah. way before. Um, there's been a few things over the years where like a few situations where I've, I've looked back and been sort of proud of myself for seeing it through and i think that those kind of things those challenges like mini challenges mostly but challenges all the same they're the ones which would have got me before so yeah. I, I don't think there's any one thing that i could sort of say God, that was close you know but just a lot of them almost daily things and just the fact that i can now i feel confident that i can now respond to them yeah i think that's a really good answer and i think we can often be our our own worst enemies where often it's our personality traits or our habits that are often the biggest challenge to get over mm. yeah absolutely and it's it, it's not a fun thing facing up to it sometimes <laughs> yeah and looking to see where your own weaknesses are but um yeah I, I think that if you if you can find them if you can deal with them then ultimately it's a really good thing um the uh, last thing before before mm -hmm. we wrap up i guess is looking forward um I guess if you could place the label, see where it was at in five years' time, COVID uh, <laughs> out of the way, hopefully, yeah. where would you hope it was? Huh. I think this is something that I answer differently every single year, basically, because <laughs> uh, my, my kind of vision for it is always changing. Um, I've always liked the idea of it being a pretty small team. I've never sort of had an ambition for, like, you know, some sort of, like, 
skyscraper office with Matt's apartment. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea of it. Yeah, maybe in five years, maybe there's a team of seven or eight of us. So, you know, we're, we're basically doing what we are now, but we've just got a couple more people there. We've got a bit more of an international presence. So maybe somebody sort of like working out in the US or something like that. Um, and just continuing to sign bands. I'd like to sign more bands each year. So I, I think that's sort of an ambition we'd work towards. So I'm going to say that in five years time, it's going to look quite similar to what it is, just bigger and better. Oh, well. Know. That's, that's a very vague answer. Yeah, I'm excited but... <laughs> to see it. I'm excited to see it. No, I think... I'm, I'm intentionally not committing myself. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. But you're also showing how committed you are to, to what you do and how much you enjoy it because the answer at the end of the day is to continue growing what you're doing. Um, yeah. That, well, that's the thing. I think, you know, I, I love what I do and, and I think that everyone who works at the label does. I hope they do. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just, yeah, we're all working in that same direction. We're sort of, all, I don't know, it just feels like everything's clicking quite well at the moment and I, I really hope that continues. So I think that wherever the label is, I just hope that everyone involved in it is happy and, and doing something they really enjoy and we're you know, still getting to work with awesome bands and, and just that constant grind of trying to find bigger and you know, bigger fan bases for all of them everywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been such a pleasure to have you on. No worries, thank you again for having me. Absolutely, and I will chat to you soon. Thank you so much for checking out that episode of the podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed it. It was such a blast having Kevin on the show. Such a big fan of Big Scary Monsters. So many artists on that label that I spent so much of my time listening to. Um, if you by any chance are hearing about Big Scary Monsters for the first time, please, please, please go check them out. All the links are underneath. Easy to access. There are bound to be some bands you fall in love with and spend all your money on, um, hopefully. And yeah, if this is the first time listening to the podcast, go check out some of the other awesome conversations I've had. There are bound to be some you enjoy. And if this is a particular conversation that you're interested in, then make sure to keep an eye on the podcast in the following weeks. There are some awesome guests coming up. Really excited to share them with you all. Um, and yeah, just catch you soon. Take it easy. Keep safe. All that. Uh, and until next time. <laughs>